Welcome back to Let's Get Married, the wedding and event podcast. Sam, we're back. I missed you. I missed you too. It's been um it's been a little bit of a break, hasn't it? I know, I know. It feels like years, but also feels like yesterday, which has kind of been the whole past year of our lives. At least I, I feel like I, I ran into you guys like quite literally a few times over break. Yeah, that was so funny. I was you were running toward me and I was like, Oh, I like that girl's shoes. And then I'm like, she's waving at me, and then I'm going, Tony, Tony, look, it's Sam. And he's like, has no idea what I'm what I'm yelling. I really hope that that was me and Tony. I go, I come back to the apartment and I'm telling Joel, I was like, I literally did like the Forrest Gump to Lieutenant Dan wave where I'm like, yeah. It kind of brings us to this, that we are virtual for the first time. We are. I know. I miss having you here. I know. I miss being with you. I'm currently testing out a new mic. So uh, we'll see how this all goes. Amazing. I know. I'm excited for it to get warmer for many reasons, but also to have you back on the deck and here. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that we are back. How are your holidays? They were so nice. It was um, the first time, at least for my family, that we were all in together in the same room um, since last Christmas. Um, Whoa. So it was, it was so nice. And, you know, I planned everything. We did like the seven fish feast um, it was, it was just so nice. Um, and, and quiet. Joel and I were both lucky to take the two weeks off. So we had a really nice break. Um, and I don't think we've really ever taken that much time off around the holidays and it makes such a difference. That's it good. really does. Um, so it's nice. How was your holidays? That's good. Well, I have to first stop and say thank you because it, it made me emotional. I had been waiting on my test and, Tony, uh, me taking a test, as you know, means that Tony has to take multiple days off of work. It's not like everyone else who uh, that their significant other and themselves are working from home. So it's this big, massive deal to get me to be able to be quarantined enough to go see anyone and anyone else, you know, aside from Tony. And so I'd been waiting on a test, waiting on a test, and I saw you. Oh, because you dropped off those Christmas cookies for us, which were amazing, and. You said, when are you going home? And I said, I don't know. If my test doesn't come back, I can't go home for Christmas. And you said, you can come over. And I went upstairs and I was like, all of Christmas with someone. Because at that point, Tony had signed up for shifts on Christmas. And I said, wow, I actually like might be alone in my apartment, which I know a lot of people are doing, but the plan was to not have it that way. But all ended up well. My test came back the next day. So I was able to go be with my parents and we were healthy and we stayed healthy and we had champagne outside in the snow on Christmas Eve with my brother and his family. And so it was fun to just like run around and have like a pseudo Christmas Eve um, that way and like still make it special and, and fun and funny. Um, and then, yeah. And then I came back here and we had a very quiet New Year's, but tried to make it special still with special drinks and appetizers and so much food and, and and everything like that. What did you do for New Year's? So New Year's, we were actually, we planned on, on staying upstate. Um, and unfortunately, we were up there for a little bit. And unfortunately, there was just some issues. So we had to come back. We actually came back on New Year's Eve at like six o'clock. Um, and so at that point we're all like tired and, you know, upstate, it's not a crazy drive, but it's a little bit of a drive. Um, so we actually ended up just going to my dad's apartment in the city. 
um, him and Bernard. Bernard made a, a great meal, um, and we we rang in the new year eating dinner together. Um, so it was nice. It was definitely different, but I feel like ev- everything about 2020 and like so far is different. So right, you know. right, yeah. You know, in Stanford, there were a bunch of fireworks that went off at midnight. So it was fun. We ran upstairs and watched them from the deck. I thought of you guys thinking you were at, um, across town. Um, oh, that's so nice. No, of yeah, honestly, Brody, our dog is like petrified of fireworks so it probably worked oh, out for the best. yeah you know i always forget that fireworks are not the best for pups but okay so to get into it this is episode 12. 12. Woo. Uh, we've done 11 of these i know i know where is the time going okay so sam what are we drinking okay so myself and joel and i feel like a lot of people we are participating in dry January, just really trying to cleanse, you know, I feel like, especially with 2020, we probably drink a lot around the holidays, just I feel like in general, we were just drinking more so than normal. So taking a little bit of a pause, doing dry January with that, I made this cucumber citrus aid. Um, It's this really pretty green color. Basically, it's simple syrup, pureed cucumber with lemon and lime. So this is a great base. Mia, your face looks like you're not enjoying it. <laughs> no, I was telling myself to not interrupt you because I really like it, I promise. Okay, so it is a combination of lemon and lime juice. And with that, it's just a really good base. You can make this an alcoholic drink with gin or vodka. I would say probably more so gin. Um, and then I would really just garnish it with a nice little mint sprig um, to make it, you know, spring summery. Um, But it's good. It's nice and refreshing. And it makes me feel like I'm having a cocktail, even though I've still got a few days left of this dry January. I really like this. So there's no vodka in this right now? No. Okay, great. And we should note that you did drop this off to me about an hour ago. So this is, this is an authentic Sam cocktail. It is. I didn't. Yeah. I, I batched everything for Mia, so it was just ready to go. I love it. No, it looks good. It's really good. It's very green. Yeah, it's got like this fun, pretty green color because basically you blend down, and we'll obviously give everyone the recipe for this, but you blend cucumbers down into a blender um, with a little bit of salt. So it's essentially just, and then you um, strain it. So it is really just cucumber, and cucumber is really, you know, mostly water, So, um, but it's got a, a pretty color to it. A healthy reset for January. I think that's great. I read that more people than usual are doing dry January, and it's probably because the alcohol sales were up like 60% in 2020, which makes a lot of sense. Um, Also because people weren't going out to bars necessarily, so we were drinking at home. doesn't necessarily mean we were all drinking more. We might feel that way, but I think it's also, yeah, because we were just consuming more in our own homes than outside the home. And I think, like, and I'm totally, like, going off a, a tangent here, but I think, like, at like for at least for Joel and I, like, I would splurge a little bit on nicer alcohol, but yep. we don't ever drink at home. Like, we might drink at home if we have people over. We might have some wine, but it's never, like, we just, we have this crazy bar and we don't touch it, you know? It's it's really just for when we're entertaining. So this year, we've, we've been drinking more at home, and it's like, okay, like, and exactly right it's not because we're not drinking like we're probably drinking the same yeah but like it just feels like we're just drinking more because we're home and like we're just i don't know um but 
So dry January. Great drink. I really like it. Very refreshing. Okay. So episode 12, as we said, what is today's topic? So today we are talking about everyone who just got engaged. This episode (laughs) is for you because you need to know where to start, right? It's like you're engaged. Now what? Um, So we're kind of going to go over you know, the first moments of, of your engagement and really start thinking about your your checklist of, of what you should start doing, um, you know, within the, the first few weeks, month or so of, of your engagement. Exactly. So let's start with the actual moment someone gets engaged. So this can even be for people that aren't engaged yet. They might have a feeling it's coming. They might be excited for when it's going to happen one day, years down the road, whatever that is. But People don't necessarily talk about the first hour or so. It's overwhelming, especially if you were thoroughly surprised. What is the first, first, first thing you should do after getting engaged? What are what are your thoughts? So the first thing is just enjoy it for five minutes. You know, enjoy that moment, that high, because it is it is such a high, right? Like sit back and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then call your parents yeah you know, that, right <laughs> that would be my uh, my checklist yeah. yeah yeah I agree with you I remember still kind of being overwhelmed and Tony saying let's call your mom and dad and I was like who like it just was like kind of this funny moment and then but then it really did become okay who's after mom and dad what's the order how do we do this how do we you know do we post on social media do we not so and I know you said that you contacted the close friends and family, and then you Snapchatted to get Megan's attention with that cute story. Um, But how long did you wait to post on social media? So I waited until we touched everyone that I wanted to tell before they saw it on Facebook or Instagram. So basically, everyone that we were close with, family um, that we were close with, Joel's family, and close friends, people that really... um, are are in our lives active in our lives i wanted to make sure that you're not finding out on social um and then after that like yeah go get your nails done post your picture like spread the word but at least from my standpoint just make sure you're you're checking out those key people because you wouldn't want them to find out i would think through social media i feel like you want them to be excited for you you want to tell them the exciting news whether it's over the phone or or snapchat like i did for megan but you just want to do something so that they know um, mm-hmm. before you go all over um, social media. Yeah, I completely agree. We waited almost a week and my friends were begging me to post because they wanted to post too. And I, you know how I, my love-hate relationship with social media. And I think an issue that Tony and I talk a lot about, especially in this era of being physically removed from friends and family is that we get this false sense of keeping up with people because of their social media. Like you might not have talked to someone in years, but you can say what they ate for breakfast. I hate that. And I hate finding out about people's big moments on the internet. Yeah. If you're, if we're not that close, like that is perfect. Um, once we did post it, we got engaged and looking through those comments of people who were surprised, I felt like I did a pretty good job because it was people that I care about enough to stay friends with on social media and we're friendly, but it was no one where I said, oh my goodness, they're going to be invited. And this is how they found out. I hate finding out that news that way. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I think, I think it mean it's something for you. Like you want to be able to tell those people that mean something to you, and it means so much to them to hear it before you're scrolling on social. Because, like you said, it's 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 social media has become so diluted. And I mean, this is what I do, and I can talk about this for for hours. But like, let's let's take these engagements back and make them a little bit more personable as what they really really mean, right? And that's just celebrating you guys and you know bringing the people around you that mean the most so. mm -hmm. yeah exactly and in the same vein when you do reach out to those close friends and family right away if you are waiting to get to everyone before posting on social media you have to say it there were a couple of times where i said hey i don't think you're gonna post because you don't post or like i'm not saying that you should post about me but like please don't you know i said right. I just thought, hey, I'm going to say it rather than someone go post and then so-and-so finds out before I, I get to tell them. So just drop a quick note. I don't think you would, but don't don't post on social media yet. We're, we're get, trying to get to everyone. You know, something as quick as that, especially if it's someone who hasn't been engaged themselves. They might not even think about think of it. Like I know my friends just kind of jumped and were excited, you know, and so I, I, I'm glad that I did stop and say that. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, once you say that it makes total sense, right? I'm sure it clicks with them like, oh, but like a lot of people, like you said, don't necessarily realize that yet. Um, so it's a good call out to at least have. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what's the first thing that you do after you get engaged and enjoy the moment and call your parents? What, what do you do? Next? Mm -hmm. Okay, so next, the next thing I did was get back in the car and say, I think I've said this on the podcast before, I said, I can't plan a wedding, which we know is wrong, but it, there is this, Very wrong. <laughs> I tell everyone who comes to me and says, I am so overwhelmed because I said, listen, being overwhelmed is wrapped up in that day of getting proposed to. So no matter who you are, there is going to be this oh my gosh, that's what we have to do moment. So your advice of just stopping and taking a breath is so, so important because you could just get overwhelmed from day one. And that's not very fun because you need to enjoy your engagement, which is something you told me when we FaceTimed that day too. So the first thing you should do after getting through telling everyone and posting, I would say one is to get your ring insured if it's not already insured. Yep, I would do the same exact thing. And two, if in the same vein, if you... If it's already been, okay, if someone's listening to this who is has yet to propose and they're going to get it insured and you're going to put it on your home or renter's insurance, if your significant other who you're proposing to run, like, has their email attached or something, they're going to get a notification that a, an expensive piece of jewelry was put on the, the insurance. And I know some people that got their proposal ruined that way. So just be very careful. Tony did Jewelers Mutual. And then after he actually proposed, we moved it on to our home and renter's insurance. So little things like that can blow your cover. So just keeping an eye on, on how you're going to do those things is important. That's um, a tidbit. But um, after that, I would say, and this is what I tell everyone, to sit down, whether this is a week or two later or like the next day, if you want to jump on it, that's up to you, but to sit down and write out your non-negotiables. Have have a, a set number of minutes where you're going to sit separately, jot down things in a note app on your phone or in a notepad. What is the wedding day going to look like? 
what what is very very important to you from big picture to little do you absolutely no matter what want every single friend from college and cousin and everyone do you want hundreds of people is that very important to you do you just want your parents do you care if your siblings are there do you want to elope and want one person does that not matter to you and then all the way down to the wedding has to be on a lake in New York State. You know, something, it can be as specific or as big big picture, but I always say that once you start to plan and once things get overwhelmed and piled on you and money starts leaving your bank account, it's so easy to stop and say, I don't need that. I don't need that. And then you get past your wedding day and go, wait a minute, I really wanted that lake. Like, why did we go in this crazy direction? I wanted the lake. That's all I wanted. I didn't want 300 people, you know? So having that to refer back to is really important. And then also by doing it separately, you're not influencing each other. And this also ensures if it's a straight relationship too, that the groom who sometimes is left behind with some planning, no fault of their own sometimes, is really getting a voice in this, that they have their non-negotiables written down and that it's not just one person or the other's show. You know, you're going to work together. You're going to each have your set of non-negotiables and you're going to make sure that both people's separate and together will be taken into account. Yeah, I completely agree. I also said, so similar to you, but kind of a little bit different. I said, dream big, right? So everything that you think that you could want, if you don't have your Pinterest already pinned or, or whatever it is, everything that you think that you could want, jot it down, right? Because like you said, they're definitely non-negotiables, but there's things like like to have that you don't want to forget down the road if you have a little bit of an extra budget or whatever it is. And then followed by that, not necessarily the funnest part of engagement, but figuring out your budget ballpark sooner than later will allow you to have conversations with vendors. You don't want to start looking at vendors that are going to be completely out of your ballpark and really just devastating to you if you're not able to get them, right? Or vice versa. You, you don't want to necessarily look for something that, oh, you know what? Maybe I can spend a little bit more on this vendor that I realize I could. So it's not necessarily the gl most glamorous part of engagements and, and planning, but figuring out that budget sooner than later will really help you um, it, it'll just help you down the road, figuring out whether, you know, if parents are going to be contributing, if it's just you guys, um, how long that engagement will look like, kind of starting to think of days. Those are really those, those top priorities that I would say um, are, are what you should be crossing off as soon as you're, you're engaged, after you enjoy the moment. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's a great part, a great point. Once you start this stage of the planning to budget, um, it will also surely help fights down the road, help mitigate fights down the road. It will open up the lines of communication with any family who is going to be contributing. Um, one side of the family might ask, has the other started talking about it yet? Um, and then that also sets up, we've talked about this before, which is very important. That also sets up the ownership so to speak, that some people can feel over your wedding. So navigating that, if you know there could be a problem like that, you know, you say, thank you so much for contributing. We're going to add it to the pile and we're going to go from there. Or 
totally fine if you do this too. Yes, thank you so much for contributing. We're going to put you on florals and, and all the florals of our day are going to be gifted from you. And that's so special to us, you know, and then maybe that person goes and picks florals with you, you know, so the, there's really different levels of doing this, but great point. Budgeting number one. Okay. Do you have any particular regrets of something you did after getting engaged? I don't know if I would say regrets. I think that's, I think I let myself get caught up in stress probably too soon, but that's also just my personality. So that's why whenever someone gets engaged, I say, enjoy the moment, right? I think, like I said it to you, like, take the time to enjoy it because you're not really going to be in this stage. You know, you're going to go straight to planning and, and that's a different stage. And me being so type A, I loved it. But I also didn't take a step back to just enjoy that part. Mm -hmm. um, I think I got a little crazy a little too soon. Um, so that I wouldn't say it's a regret because that's just my personality and I dive, I dive into pretty much anything. Um, but I wish I did take a little bit more time to just enjoy that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? No, that that's a great point. Similar so far in the fact that over promising and getting caught up in the excitement, you have to be very careful of. And I did have one or two situations of that, that I being in this industry, I had an idea of people that I wanted to hire. And there was a situation where I kind of said, yes, I'm so excited. Like we're engaged. And I, I like, let's chat, you know, and it kind of seemed like we were definitely going to hire this person. And then I looked at prices and said, you know, I really liked working with this person, but this is not going to fit in our budget. And we're going to have to get rid of two other things to accommodate this. And so being careful of that overexcitement can save you in the long run. And in the same vein, this did not happen to me, but I could see where this could happen to people over promising being in the wedding party, over promising plus ones, any of that talking about future plans gets hairy because you need to touch base with your significant other. You need to figure out the direction all of this is going in. Or you, do you really want a wedding party even, you know? And Tony was very good about that. We were very careful. He was very careful of alluding to being in the wedding party or anything like that. But I do see a lot of brides in particular ask wedding party immediately. And that's totally fine if you want to do that too. But I think as we've discussed, there are some situations where you need to navigate and figure out to what extent extent are you going to include other people in the wedding party? How big are you going to let it go or how small or who is going to get a plus one and over promising that then you got to kind of stick with your word. And then, you know, like things change, COVID happens, like numbers have to change sometimes, you know, so being careful with what you say and what you let out while you're in this excited headspace can get a little hairy. So as someone who has trouble, not just telling everyone that what I'm excited about and going on and on, it's, it's important to be careful. Yeah. And I think, I think just kind of adding to the wedding party, like, you know, a lot of girls, they know exactly who's going to be in your wedding party. And if you know that, you know, you've dreamed of that for years, this is your locked in crew, by all means, go for it. I asked my girls pretty, pretty soon because I wanted them to share in the excitement and this day, um, but there was a situation where, unfortunately, there was a falling out with one of um, the people that was supposed to be my party. And it was it was a mutual thing. And we just ultimately kind of decided to go our, our separate ways. 
Um, but it left it to be awkward and, you know, do you wish maybe I sat on it a little bit longer to just kind of think it through? Because that was, you know, kind of the one person where I was like, you know, yes, no, do I, I, I absolutely want to include, but you know, um, and so, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out and that's okay too, if it's a mutual thing, but I'm totally with you. It gets hairy and you don't necessarily want to overspeak um, or overpromise, I should say, um, because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, right? At the end of the day, you want everyone to enjoy your day with you. What is the first vendor to book after you get engaged? I would say the first vendor to book is wherever your ceremony, cocktail hour, and reception will be. So whether that's church or venue or something like that, that you can't do anything else without a space, right? I, I said venue, um, and I think that that kind of encompasses everything that you were saying. Venue also because like in this time, 2021 is completely booked out, right? Let's I think that's fair to say for most venues. 2022 is probably pretty packed depending on if you're going to a popular venue or not. So I would really say crossing off your event, figuring out your date and crossing off your venue or really if it, if the date doesn't necessarily matter, seeing what the venue has available for you. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, good point. Kind of and when talking about the date, having that time of year in your non-negotiables, if you care about a certain time of year, if you don't great, but this is something you're going to have to way if you fall in love with the venue and they are only available in the fall and you hate the fall, which I know is not you at all, Sam, but you, I love the fall. Right? You, you know what I mean though? If, if your dream venue is only available in October and you are scared of Halloween and everything scary myself, like that could, that, that could factor into your decision of, okay, what matters more, this dream venue or this time of year? Because which did you write down in your non-negotiables? And actually, you know what's interesting? I did hear today on the radio, um, one of the venues that our 2021 couples are getting, couple is getting married at, they were advertising on the radio that they have 2021 Saturdays left. So I would say if you are determined to get married this year, God willing, in whatever capacity, still reach out to venues because this surprised me that popular places in nice areas still have dates. So That's just go forth brides and grooms. So, <laughs> um, okay, let's see. What should you ask when you are looking at the venues? Yeah. So this, I know that we, so me and I kind of like prep out our questions before him. This one stumped me a little bit, not because I didn't have a list of questions, but because I know that each venue varies a little bit. What I would say is that you need to understand the venue. Is it a raw space? Like, are you going in understanding, is it a raw space? Is it catered? The expectations there, right? Um, what I would say, too, is understanding you know, they're going to roll out the red carpet for you in your venue and tell you everything that you can possibly do at their venue, but they're going to give you a pricing package and that's going to be like the gold, the gold, platinum, whatever package. So understanding those tiers of the venue, I think is really important because, and asking those questions, right? So I'll take my venue. We walk in and they have everything that you could possibly want. They have, you know, all of the different wines and the happy hour and then the canoe the with filled with beer <laughs> and, you know, 
everything you could possibly, possibly want. Trees, and, and, which I've, I told you about these trees, that they were like the bane of my existence. But like really everything, s'mores, a, a fire, like a fire pit, um, happy hour, open bar, all of that is not the fee for, that. those are all extras, right? Mm -hmm. um, Good point. Also, another thing to understand when you go to a venue is determining the capacity and minimum party size. You might not think that that's a thing, but they almost didn't take Joel, like our wedding, because we were probably one of the smallest weddings that they've ever had at that venue. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. It, that is a good they, point. You have to, and also uh, to the point where we're talking about people, if your contract, and a lot of people do, lock you into a, set, a certain amount, you have to make sure that you're going to meet that amount. So you might even want to count for 20, 30 people less and say that that's your contract as opposed to being locked in at say 100 people and only 90 people show up, then you're already paying for 100 people. So kind of keeping those things in mind um, as you're going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So we actually have a official Married by Mia venue question doc. And when anyone that we are friends with gets engaged, if someone is having an exploratory conversation, we say, DMS, we will email this to you. We walked into our venue appointments with this list in hand. I find it very, very important. Exactly like you said, because you can get caught up in all of the fluff and all the exciting add-ons and then not take a step back and say, one, that's not in the budget. And two, I didn't actually get the important things question. So like you said, know if it's a raw space or not. Is catering on hand? Will they allow you to bring in the vendors you want or do you have a certain set venues? The Boathouse in Central Park, they give you certain options of who you can choose for certain vendors. Other places, they'll give you recommended folks, but you can do whoever you want. You need to figure out if you need a liquor license. That would be in the case of a raw space. You need to understand what the accessibility is for those family members who are differently abled. Also, it is extremely important to understand who will actually be there on your day. Will they have someone who is there from the first moment to the last moment? Do they allow a day of coordinator? Do they encourage having a day of coordinator? And if I, this is not just trying to get business, this is just trying to help out brides and grooms. If you even get a little glimmer in their eye of them lighting up when you mention a day of coordinator, that means you need one. That means that they know they need the support because chances are with these amazing venues that we have been so lucky to work at and they've had industry professionals who've worked at for decades in this industry, if they're showing you they need support but not requiring that, that, then they will actually know. Because, okay, corporate might not say you need to have someone brought in. Some venues, venues will do that. But if that person on the ground who is showing you the tour is saying, yeah, you can, you can bring one in, you should. The other last thing that I would say to ask at your venue is rain plans, right? That's going to be huge if it's an outdoor space. Um, what's the alternative plan, plan mm -hmm. B? And what does that look like? And are you going to be okay with that if that is your plan? If it happens to rain, which I know nobody wants rain on their wedding day, but just being conscious of the alternative plans that they'll put in place for you. Great 
point. Yes, you have to be happy with everything they offer. And the venue will be, I'd say 60% of your total budget, maybe a little bit less, but food is obviously so expensive. So if you're not going to be happy with what you're getting there, it's just plain not worth it, unfortunately. Last question. How early do I really need to book my vendors? What are your thoughts? So I would say and this is me being type A, but it'll help you in the long run, is cross off your major vendors as soon as you can, or at least have an idea of who those vendors are going to be and start having those those exploratory conversations. Because, and especially now, I feel like, and I I mean, it kind of goes to your point, like maybe there are going to be open days in 2021 and 2022, but it's, you don't want scheduling to be a reason why you can't hire your dream vendor. Um, so marking that off, getting your DJ, getting your venue, getting your florist, um, you know, coordinator, making sure that they're, you know, if that's the route that you want to go, making sure that they're available, just cross off those big key players and then have fun, fill in the rest as you can. But I would say, try to move as quickly as you can on those vendors and just get the information that you need. I wrote down, Sam told me. Year one is to book your vendors. Year two is for the details. So if you don't have two years, like we both did slash are having 50% of your engagement should be for the big stuff. And the second half should be for those little details, escort cards, shoes, jewelry for the bridesmaids, all that little like fun stuff that you don't need to rush on. I would say that photographer and DJ or band probably would be my number two and three spot after venue or church or or ceremony locations. I'd say florist, unless you're doing, and this might not be true for every florist, but if you're, unless you're doing a big installation where they're going to have to have all hands on deck and be there for hours, if they're dropping off bouquets, florists can do several in a day. So I don't look at florist as as pressing, but it still is good to like reach out and get pricing from people and figure out availability and see how many weddings they can do in a day and see how their their booking um, goes. Uh, but like you said, coordinators too, you need to get on people's schedule if they are a one one person show, they're Any booked up. That's it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That so too. Exactly. And I and you know, photographers just slipped my mind. That is absolutely key. Um, you know, just crossing off those big players, like I said. Um, Florist, I said, because like I loved one and they were very much, um, shout out Dark and Diamond, they were amazing. But if they um, they were very much only one one wedding per day kind of thing. Got it. Um, I, thought was, I thought was great. They kind of dedicated their time. But I could see what you're saying is like if they're just dropping off bouquets, like they can definitely do, you know, various ones. Or if it's a larger team, whatever it is. So what's going on with Mary? Well, the podcast is back after our little pause, and I'm so excited to be back with you. Um, But as we know, and as this episode was dedicated to, lots of engagements have been happening. But it's been interesting trying to give them the best advice. Obviously, I don't know the future any more than anyone else, but to help these newly engaged couples or existing engaged couples who are just starting to plan, figure out what the future holds. Do they book something ASAP? How long do they really have to wait? How What should the COVID clause look like with each of their ven- vendors? Everything like that. And like I said, while I don't know exactly what's going to happen, if I did, 
I'd have a lot of money. But it's sometimes just really important to bounce ideas and venting and confusion off. And I really would say that no one, I mean, some people do, but like I'm in a very interesting place right now, having Mary also planning myself. I get it. Things are tough and confusing. I think things are tough and confusing in general in the world right now, but thing, we know things are going to get better. And if you are in need of any advice or support, slide into my DMs. It's what we're here for. It's also been interesting. We've been providing a bit of advice for people outside of the role of brides and grooms, whether it's family, whether it's wedding party, even if you're not the bride or groom, if you have a question about a wedding, if you've just become maid of honor and you don't know the first thing you need to do, I'd say one, listening to this podcast is very helpful. Um, But two, just let us know and we'll chat. We're always happy to do stuff like that and, and figure out what your particular questions are. Because as you mentioned, Sam, every single scenario is different, just like every venue, you know, so you might need to ask something that the next person may not even be thinking of, and you might not be able to get exactly the advice you need on the internet. Um, so just reaching out and asking, I know there were moments where I felt like that of no one's answering this. How, how do we how do I figure out how to even navigate a a certain situation in this world that we're living in? So reaching out and having a conversation um, can be, can be really, really helpful. And I also just love talking to people and kind of commiserating together and making us, uh, making, making people try to feel better because it still is a really exciting time. I was thinking today that being engaged during COVID definitely has its woe as me moments where I say, I just, wish I had already gotten married and or like I wish this was five years down the road like why did this have to fall smack to have in the middle of my engagement and I know a lot of people have this feeling about this past year for many different life stages that they're in but the exciting thing about being engaged right now is when we do anything for our wedding or when I think about our wedding or I listen to playlists that I'm putting together for our wedding I have the ultimate thing to look forward to. I mean, I think that was even just for me. It gives you something to look forward to, especially in this mundane, like, yep. just like, you know, it, it gets hard. It's hard out there. And it's it's not just the brides. It's not just, it's hard for everyone out there right now. So having something, whether it's your friend, whether it's your sister, whoever it is getting married to have this amazing event to look forward to, I think um, it, it's definitely pulling a lot of people through, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not a wedding. It could be a graduation. It could be whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what what you were saying is is what we really try to drive home with this podcast. Yes, it is, you know, weddings and everything like that. But it's not just for the bride. It's not just for the groom. It really is for everyone. And it doesn't have to be applicable just to weddings, right? It can be graduations, parties, whatever it is. Yeah, we're talking about like plus ones and, and a lot of wedding-esque things. But we're we want to be that sounding board for, for you guys with any questions. Um, mm-hmm. Good point. I've seen so many 30th birthdays this last year, you know, and, uh, and Joel had one and you, Joel you threw, 30. you threw a social distant, careful, but awesome party. And yeah, it's true. Having things to look forward to, I think is really, really key. Write those non-negotiables down. It's all part of this. It will help you navigate through these these weird times. And as Chandra enlightened us with her her Taylor saying, you are going to be just as married as anyone else. So if you have questions, if you have questions about someone in your life who's getting married or a big event, like a big 30th, 40th birthday bash, whatever it is, 
slide into our DMs on Instagram, shoot us an email. We are always happy to help. If I haven't been necessarily through it, that's exactly why we have Sam on this podcast too. She has been through it all and on the other side of coordination. So we're going to get through it. And here we are to 2021. To 2021, as I cheers you with my citrus aid. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe in Spotify or the Apple Podcast app. Rate and review us and let us know what you want to hear about next. Thanks so much for getting married with us.